Today on the show, we're talking about financial envy. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being here with us this week. I'm Courtney, joined with Trevor, and this week we are talking about financial envy. So to lead off this episode, Trevor, let's talk about what envy is in general as a core concept. I mean, without getting too technical, I think envy is really when you're, you're, you know, you, you see somebody else's financial situation and you covet it, and it is without question the most destructive emotion you can have as it relates to personal finance. I like that you brought up the idea of a destructive emotion because. I wanted to ask you, I mean, we all know that envy is such, it's not a good trait to have. It's, it's a definitely an ugly emotion, but do you think it's the ugliest emotion a person can show? I would think jealousy is probably the ugliest emotion and jealousy is very close to envy. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what the difference between those two would be, but I, I know I, I don't know how to describe the difference, but I, I, I believe jealousy is far uglier than, than envy. Before we get into the idea of where financial envy stems from, I, I, I really like the idea that Jane Bianacci says, and she said that it's a thought pattern that is entirely up to you to change. So I really like that uh, she highlighted the idea that envy is something that you have complete control of. Well, I think that would be the case with all emotions, really. I mean, you can be, some emotions might be triggered by an external source, for sure, like sadness and happiness. But uh, yeah, from a, envy would be an internally triggered emotion that you are in complete control of. I agree with that 100%. We'll get more into the article by Jane Bianchi and her article is seven ways to beat money envy so we'll get into that later that was from Forbes actually but we we will jump into that after we really delve into again where financial financial envy stems from just 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 begin the conversation so today that the inspiration from this section is from an article by Jeff William and it is how to combat financial envy from money.usnews.com so this is a U.S. source but of course core concepts like financial envy and all the other things that we love to talk about on this podcast, the articles, I, I believe it doesn't really matter where they're from because it's all so relevant when they are, again, these core key financial concepts. Yeah, I would say envy is a universal and a universal emotion, irrelevant of what country you come from. So in Jeff Williams' article, he, there are two really main sources of financial envy. So one is reality TV and the other is social media. So for, for reality TV, uh, Jeff has a really great quote in his article. And he says, quote, when it comes to feeling envious of other people's wealth, we have it tougher than our ancestors. Our ancestors weren't exposed to the wealth of reality TV shows that are now available to us. And, and I want to point out, too, that... The reality TV shows we do watch, they're generally from the U.S. And in, in the U.S., it's such a, we all know that we're probably watching the lives of those in the top 1%. Yeah, I don't, I don't watch traditional TV, so I, I don't see a lot of reality TV. It's been a long time since I've seen a reality TV show. 
But, I mean, even if you watch the Home and Garden Channel, forget reality TV, the Home and Garden Channel or House Hunters or any of those shows, again, I don't watch them. I just hear people at work talk about them. Those shows are just, you know, you you, you can't... you need to be a pretty strong person to not be envious of what you're seeing. And again, because because an individual might just not watch a reality TV, like you're exactly right, they're going to be exposed to in other means. And I do want to point out, and I, I, I wonder if you agree with this too, Trevor, but I think it is at an all a very subconscious level that that envy can seep in. You might not be aware of it at all times, but I think it's it, it might always be lurking. Oh, it sneaks up on you in... You don't realize it until you're in a full rage of envy that, that, that it's actually happened. It's, you know, sadness or happiness, that emotion hits you s- suddenly. Envy just creeps in slowly a little bit at a time. Would you say envy is emotion that can really compound on itself and that maybe exposure to a single person will, and then ex- repeated exposure around that same person, you will grow increasingly more envious of maybe their lifestyle or, or what they look like or what they do. Well, if you think about advertising, that's what it really relies on is your constant attention toward one specific event or one thing to make, to get you to buy into this is normal. And so if you keep, if you spend a weekend with a, a person that you become envious of, it's just going to fester and manifest until you can get an opportunity to reset your emotion being exposed to somebody else. I want to move on to talking about the second area where financial envy stems from. And the other one that Jeff points out in his article is social media. And I like this point. I think it's extremely valid because I do. You, I think, and I, w- I want to get your take on this, but I think that a lot of the envy in our lives might stem from those in our immediate surroundings and immediate environment. Well, like you, I've discontinued my social media account. I only follow, I only use it as a newsfeed uh, tool now. I don't follow people. When I did, the people that I, I, re- I, I respected the most or, would, you know, would actually like their pictures or comments uh, are the people that showed, you know, the negative aspects of their life. Like, I, I remember seeing a, a social media post of a friend of mine. He was putting windows, brand new windows in his house. And unfortunately, as he was doing it, one of the windows fell and broke. And he took the opportunity to take a picture of that broken window. And he did stuff like that all the time. He, he would he would put photos of, of things that, that happened great in his life and, and things that went wrong. And to me, if everyone used social media like that, it would be a far more impactful tool in our society today. I really admire that that he he does that because it really does show an authentic self. But and and who has the the uh, the composure to stop and take a picture of a probably what what I would guess would be a, a three hundred or four hundred dollar window that that fell from a second floor and and, and smashed. I admired him just for having the composure to take that picture. Oh, oh, I agree. But I, I do want to say that, yes, that is amazing that he was able to do that. But that is not the norm. And I'm sure how many of your other friends when he had social media also did behaved in the same way that he did? Because when I had social media, I, Facebook specifically, and even Instagram is pretty bad for this, too. 
I rarely, rarely see other people's struggles. I mean, it is getting a little bit more popular with, um, there are more body, uh, body inspiration pages and, and really being confident with yourself and your situation. So there are more pages and, uh, coming up about that, but it's still not very mainstream to really put your entire self on display on social media. Well, this is a, this is an article I read about the, the the downside of social media, and this guy said, "I will go back to social media the minute somebody shows me a picture of somebody going into the bank and making a car payment. You know, as soon as I see that picture, I'm back." No, it's true because it, it, that actually brings up a point from Jeff's article. And it relates to that. And he says, while it's tempting to believe everything you see others post via social media, automatically discount 30% of what you see. People tend to post pictures of the new car, but rarely complain later about not being able to afford it. There's always two sides to a situation. And I really love so, that. So what kind of resource is that if, if it's only has a 30% value? Why would you... Why would you sift through 70% garbage to find 30% value? That, that, that's why I don't use social media today. I completely agree with you. And I think I think it really kind of can stop us in our tracks and, and again, make us realize why, like you said, we're contributing to this uh, this platform where most of it is not real. I mean, it's it really, it screams superficiality. So I, I do want to move on now to talking about the idea that actually inspired Trevor and I to create this episode. And it is the the dichotomy between envy and in, versus inspiration. So I actually grabbed a definition of envy from dictionary.com. And it was interesting because I found two definitions for envy, but one had a more negative connotation and one a more positive one. So I'll read you the negative one first. And the neg- negative one is a feeling of discontent with regard to another's advantages, success, and possessions. So that's a more negative one. Do you do you get negative vibes from that, Trevor? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's nothing. There's no upside there at all. Okay. So then I'll read you the one that I perceived as more positive. But let me know if you agree with it. So the positive one in my head was desire to have a quality possession or other desirable desirable attribute belonging to someone else. See, I still see that as a negative. I, I get that there's a positive spin there. Just the word quality is really the only positive word in that definition. I also like the word desire because things that you desire to have, I think, can be a source of motivation. Well, you could also look at the word desire is it's something you currently don't have. True. No, that's a great point. So now that we've kind of defined envy and, and two kind of definitions of that, I think... Oh, let's let's look at the difference between envy versus inspiration. So this uh, this quote from Jeff Williams article too, and sorry, I haven't introduced it yet, but it's called How to Combat Financial Envy. Oh, this is the Money US One News One. So it's the same article. And he said in there, and this really echoed the same kind of thing that you and I were having a conversation about earlier that inspired this episode. And he said, to compare yourself to someone else who are, is poor or less fortunate than you. And I almost think that this is just as bad as comparing yourself to someone who is more well off than you. I mean, this, this is a horrible approach to, to dealing with envy. It is it, 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 on so many levels to start with, you're, you're just setting the bar so low. You can just step over it. So the, the, 
that nothing good will come from that. You know, you'll you'll fool yourself into achieving all these accomplishments, but yet you set the bar so low, anybody could have, and you will stagnate in life because of it. And to gain anything positive from somebody else's misfortune just feels so wrong, you know. And I'm going to say I've been there. I've done this, you know, not intentionally, but I've sort of seen an unfortunate event and left there, you know, after the sort of the traumatic impact wore off, um, feeling uh, good about myself and not knowing why. And once I realized why, I mean, I felt like I needed to take a shower. I, I felt just horrible. And I think this happens, this phenomenon happens way too often than we like to or care to admit because I, I just think that's how the human brain operates in that we we take a situation and we look at the fact that it could be worse or it could be better or, or we're th- thankful we're not in the same shoes as that person and that's a terrible way to think. But I think this sadly is just how a lot of people maybe subconsciously think and I think we definitely need to move away from this so in in general I think to to take away from envy and inspiration I I just I think it's as terrible to look at a a person or situation and think and and draw and draw inspiration from somebody's misfortune exactly just nothing good will come from that it's happened to me and, and I'm ashamed when it when it has so I, I guess just do not think that that you are getting inspiration from some someone else's misfortunes because that's never a source and it should never be a source of inspiration. And if it is a source of inspiration, Trevor, do you have any advice for what you should do to get a better source of inspiration? I, I think we're going to get into where how you can convert envy and inspiration later in, in the show. But, you know, if you find somebody who's misfortunate your your reaction should be to help them to to offer some assistance you know that that should be your 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 go-to emotion no i completely agree with that so i do want to move on now to talking about areas of areas of our life where financial envy really shines through and you might not think you have envious thoughts or that you're an envious person, but if you've ever had seven of these thoughts, then think again. And I do want to lay a disclaimer down that some of us are fortunate enough to surround ourselves with the right people and be in the right environment. So you may rarely or or never experience true envy, but I think it's not fair to say that you are not an envious person if you don't expose to yourself to opportunities to be surrounded by factors that are less conducive to this positive mindset that is the opposite of envy. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. So areas in your life where financial envy shines through is inspired from an article by Jane Bianchi from Forbes.com entitled Seven Ways to Beat Money Envy. So uh, in this section, there, there are seven, seven points, and we're going to go through them. And these are the core areas where financial envy might shine through. So the first one is career envy. And if and the thought for this one is, I wish I had his or her, her job. And mo- most of this is, is money-related, right? You, you wish you had a, uh, a position. Some people are motivated by the power and the, the responsibility and the ability to make an impact or a difference in an organization. So if you envy and are you if you're envious of that, uh, 
then to me, that's a good thing. If you're just envious of the money they're earning, well, guess what? There's a, there's a lot of responsibility and burden that goes with earning that money. So, But if you're envious that they're in a position where they can make a difference, that's actually inspiration. And that's the distinction there. It would only be envy, in my opinion, is if you're seeking power or money. The second point is house envy. So this ties back to what you were saying about watching HGTV or any other show about uh, house houses. And this is, the quote here is, real people live here. So this, this again, relates directly back to what you were saying earlier. Well, and it, because of the, the, the cost of houses, it, it, it's, it's not like buying, you know, a, a, I'll call it a consumer good. It, houses cost so much that there's always debt that goes along with it. You know, anybody that buys a house, they're generally borrowing money to do it. So every time I see somebody who buys a big or, you know, a fancy house, I look at it as a consumption of wealth. You know, it, it, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a display of wealth. It's, it's a display of consumption of wealth. So these people are, I mean, I can appreciate a nice house. And, you know, I, I'm sure I have a nicer house than some people and people have nicer houses than me. I just, I'm not willing to trade the um, the freedom for for a nicer house. If an individual has the money to afford that nice house, is it still okay to want to purchase a really nice home? Well, that there's a whole show there, right? My theory on a house is you should be able to pay for it in 15 years. So if if that's the definition of whether you can afford that house or not, then yeah, if, if you can pay for it in 15 years and it is a really big fancy house, chances are that it makes sense to you f- to have that house financially because you probably have the income to afford it. The next point is gadget envy, one that I know you have struggled in the past with, Trevor, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too. Oh, this is my weakness. I I, I struggle with this constantly. You know, I, I see a new iPhone and, and all I... I, I I mean, it's just a, a slab of metal and glass, and all I see is features and and, and functionality. And I, I, I luckily I have a, my wife who keeps me on the straight and narrow when it comes to gadgets. But I am this this is my weakness, and I often have gadget envy. I, I must admit. The next one is vacation envy. So a quote from this is: "Those plane tickets cost as much as my rent." Yeah, it's. When I see, um, you know, I don't want to sound judgmental, but when I see younger people going on international vacations, they're making a sacrifice that uh, that's going to impact them maybe long term. You, you know, if you're if you're traveling, you know, spending a lot of money on travel, you're obviously not doing something else with your money, and and traveling is pure expense. It it. it Whereas I'm not going to say you should buy a house, but investing or, or saving for retirement. I, I just think vacation envy, it's an easy one to fall into the, in the traffic, particularly in the winter. If you're from Canada, people go down south, come back with a tan. It's pretty hard not to be envious of that. But you just know that there's a cost, you know, and that there's a trade-off you'd, you'd have to make. So I, I don't fall victim to vacation envy because I know how much it costs. I completely agree with your point and I actually adhere to it to my myself in that I, I prioritize my savings, my money in other ways where I that doesn't allow me to go on vacations, but I'm content with that. But I do want to go back to what you said about how, I mean, 
we could have some young listeners out there who are saying, but Trevor, you are almost in retirement. How dare you tell me that I should be saving for, for retirement when I haven't even started working a full-time job? Well, it, you, you, the, the younger the start, the bigger the impact when you retire. I mean, you, you know, everyone understands compound interest and, and the, you know, how money grows over time. Uh, I, I did a little bit of traveling when I was younger, not a lot, but a little bit. And I, I think everyone should do some, but you know, if someone's going on a, uh, you know, three or four vacations a year, I, I, I'm not envious of that because I, I know there's a, a, a huge cost. And we all know that, again, like you said, the decisions you make uh, in a young age and in, in your 20s and 30s can really impact and dramatically impact for the for the worse your chances of retirement or your your the decisions you're able to make down the road. You know, one thing I when I see someone come back from vacation, and even when I come back from vacation, getting back into work, you know, that first Monday that it's really hard coming back to work for that 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 first day back from vacation. You know, if you have a job like mine, a lot of work is stacked up the week you were gone and then you show up and everybody seems to want something right away because they've been waiting for you to get back. So if I do end up with a bit of vacation envy, I, I also think of that aspect of it, that, you know, that person's coming back to just a nightmare of work depending on their job. So I, again, that that's an example of taking, uh, you know, taking sort of comfort in somebody's misfortune and... I guess, you know, I'm admitting I have that shallowness when it comes to vacation envy, I guess. But I do like how you are able to see the correlation between something that costs money and the repercussions, which is something that doesn't cost money. It just costs headache and time and a little bit of frustration when you get back to work after a week off. So I do like the correlation that some the repercussions of something does not always have to be uh, financially driven. Yeah, that's that's a better way of looking at it. I guess you can't just look at the tan, right? You've got to look at the whole picture. Oh, exactly. So number five is clothing envy. And I think this one is pretty common, um, maybe uh, among, maybe uh, depending on your age or gender, but I think it is something that's very common. Not so much with 50-year-old men, surprisingly. <laughs> no, that I believe. But I, this is something, I mean, as a young girl, this is something I definitely see. I mean, I'm not exactly, I haven't, can't remember the last time I went shopping, that, but that probably has to do with my uh, financial values and beliefs and goals. But I, this is something that I think can really get away from you. I mean, in this article, um, this one woman admired her colleague who was always wearing new clothes and super fashionable. Meanwhile, she found out that she was in $15,000 of debt. Man, that's that's a that's a horrible case of envy there. Yeah, so it's it definitely it definitely is not always what it appears to be, which which we'll very quickly learn throughout this rest of this article. Um, number six is cash envy. So this just is simply how an individual can always say yes or appears to always say yes. Well, in our society today, mo- you know, cash is is a pretty rare occurrence. Most people are using credit cards or debit cards. for transactions and you know with the amount of uh, credit limit that the credit card companies are offering it it, it almost represents a a bottomless pit for a lot of people so I I'm not envious of people who just you know continue to pull out their credit card and buy things you know without hesitation that one there you don't have to look too hard to know that there's a bill coming in at the end of the month 
And number seven is family, money, envy. And I, when I think of this, I think of inheritance. So this one here, I, I thought a lot about, and just say there's a, you know, that there's a, the, a family has a lot of wealth. So j- just say my parents are really, really well off and, and they, they bought me things constantly. They didn't, but just say they did. My, my parents would have had to spend a lot of time earning that money. So I may have suffered as a child as my parents were off earning their fortune and maybe I didn't get the attention as a child. So there was a, a cost to building that wealth to me. And, and let's just say it wasn't my parents. It was my, my grandparents who built this, this nest egg of wealth that, that they you know handed down generation to generation then I would have had an absent grandparent in my life, you know, or, or missing from my life growing up. So th- there would be a cost to that. So if there's family money, there's a cost to it. There's a personal cost to family money at, at some level somewhere. And another thing, and I don't know if this is a, you know, I've heard stories of this. I don't know this personally, but a lot of times, you know, you you get, handouts from your parents and there's sort of an expectation that your your parents kind of control your life even though you're an adult because you keep going back to them for money so they're the parents a lot of times will do this and i've heard this i i know of people that get handouts and then they complain that their parents are controlling their lives and i stand back and say well i wonder why you're constantly taking handouts for of money so so there's that's an example of how there can be a cost to family money. And it, it's just, and one other aspect of if, if relying on family money is let's just say that money runs out. Well, you, if, if you're just taking handouts, you don't actually see, you don't have the, 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 the long-term vision to see that money running out. You'll, you'll be the last person to find out, right? If it, it, nobody's going to say, Hey, and money's getting low or, it, 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 the handles will just stop all of a sudden, so you you won't have any visibility that your 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 source of income is going to disappear. So I, I want to go back to the point that you said about being a child and not having maybe your grandparents, your parents around as much. I think this is a great thing to be able to see looking backwards as a a middle aged person, but maybe as a youth in your teenagers or even early twenties, you don't quite see this. No, but I'm just saying, know that there's a cost going on somewhere that you don't see. Nobody's building a, a massive fortune of wealth without investing time. And in order to, I'll give you an example. I, I know, uh, I grew up, a, f- a friend of mine, his, his parents both were doctors. And I know for a fact that, that he was sent off to live with his grandparents in, in the summers and he spent extended you know, all the vacations, his parents were, were on call or, or, or not around. Uh, they were dedicated to their careers. They built a, a, a fortune. They lived in a massive house and they had the fanciest cars. But I, I know he kind of had that void in his life. I'm just wondering if that void, if that child will realize that void until later on in life. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering how parents could allow their child to understand that the reason maybe their child is does not have as many physical possessions as their friend is because 
that they they enjoy giving their child something other than uh, what money can uh, buy. Well, I kind of had a, a theory raising my family, and I didn't pursue uh, aggressively any sort of career aspirations when my kids were younger because when my kids were from zero to, say, I don't know, 12, what they needed was my time, not my money. And then from 13 on, it turns out they wanted less of my time, but needed more of my money. So I started pursuing sort of career aspirations at that point a little, I wouldn't say aggressively, but a little more, with a little more intensity uh, to earn more money. So, I mean, as a parent, you can sort of, if, if that's not an option for everybody, it worked out for me. I want to move on to the other point that you said about uh, expectation on money that your parents give you. And my, my parents have actually really tremendously actually supported my post-secondary endeavors. And they always joke around that it just means that I'll have to pick a really good nursing home for them when they, when they, when they need it. But do you, do you think that there should be this expectation placed on money or do should parents do it out of the love of their hearts? Well, you know, if, if there's a, a lot of money being handed out on a regular basis and in large amounts, the recipient may, may feel some obligation subconsciously that, that they, they need to be there more than they, than they would have otherwise for their parents. And the parents may subconsciously, you know, think that they've handed out all this money. They, they've increased or raised their expectation of their child. So it, it, it could be two, you know, going both ways, but at a very subconscious level. So that really has summed up our seven areas in our life where financial envy shines through. And I think all of these highlight a good point that Jane Bianchi said, and she said that you never really know the reality behind the facade. And I think that applies to all of these areas and that there's more than me- more than meets the eye. Yeah, I think that really sums it up well. So, uh, Trevor, I have a question for you now, and it is when financial envy comes into play, do you think it's your responsibility to live respectfully and modestly and not rub maybe your financial position others' faces? Or is it always on the other person to properly interpret really their surroundings and what other people have? Whose shoulders does it fall on? Well, when I see somebody flaunting, you know, intentionally and obviously flaunting wealth or uh, a favorable position they've achieved, I look at that and think that's an extremely shallow person and probably a very insecure person. So... I feel bad for that person when I see it, but you can't control other people and other people's actions. So it is on you to manage envy within yourself. You can't, you can sort of try to eliminate uh, potential sources of envy from your life or reduce the exposure to it, but you cannot control how a person acts. So it is always on you to control that, that emo- the emotion envy and and manage it and maybe channel it into something positive. So in my case, when I see that, and I know some people that do that, and I feel bad for them knowing that they, you know, I consider their, their actions very shallow and, and somewhat insecure. And almost like they're doing it to prove something or to 
to really make up for something they're lacking inside. Yeah, you know, I know some people that buy, so where I work, everybody seems to own a brand new truck. And when I see these trucks, I, you know, that I can tell the, the truck owners who are sort of trying to draw attention to their new truck. And, and then there's people that, that don't, right? And I actually approach them and say, hey, did you get a new truck? You know, and this is, oh, yeah, I got that a couple weeks ago. And other people will, you know, if you happen in the parking lot when they are, they drag you over to their new truck, you know, and they shove your face in the window and say, look at my new truck. I'm, you know, exaggerating, but it feels that way. And, you know, they won't let anybody walk past their truck if you happen to be in the parking lot when they are without, you know, your nose being rubbed in it. So for those people, I feel sorry for them. I, I really like that example. It really illustrates the two types of people in the world and, and really what you can learn from them. So I want to move on. We've talked about what envy is, what financial envy is, where financial envy stems from, and the difference between envy and inspiration. But now let's talk about dealing with financial envy. So I have found a really great article. It's by Christina Tipley, and it is from her blog, embracingsimpleblog.com. And it is six ways to deal with money envy. So I think to highlight all these points, and I hope you agree too with this, Trevor, but Jane Bianchi, she says that it really all starts by changing your thoughts. One of the best ways to combat envy is to have focus. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. If you're, if you have, so I have a friend who's into um, musical instruments. You know, he's got a, drums and guitars and all sorts of uh, keyboards and a lot of money invested in it. I have another friend who's into high-end furniture making, has a decked out shop. And I have another friend who has like a, I'm going to say a $5,000 bicycle. And he's, he, and so when I'm with these, these guys individually, I, I say, wow, I, you know, I think to myself, I'd love to have that, you know, and then the very next day I'll be with the other friend and I'll say, oh, I'd love to have that. You know, I'm, th- I'm thinking this all subconsciously. Well, you can have, y- you have to be focused. You ha- you you can't be interested in a, in, a, in a whole bunch of things and, and want all those things. Those people, those three people I mentioned, those things I described, those are their sole hobbies, their sole interests. They, they're not interested in anything else but that. And that's all they do every, with every waking moment of spare time they have. And so here I am wishing I could do all three of those things, that that's not realistic. You, you, you can't, you know, you could dabble in those things, but you can't be into, into those things in the level those people are individually. So I've said this, but you can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want. So let's get into the ways you can deal with financial envy. And the very first one is to look beyond the shininess. So there's a, Christina has a lot of great quotes from our articles. And, and one I want to focus on first is don't beat yourself up for feeling financial envy. I think you should, you know, if you, if you're, if you're feeling, uh, bouts of financial envy sort of stirring up inside you, I think you should try to squash them because they're unhealthy, that not, nothing good's going to come from that. And you, you're just, if, if you feel financial envy starting to rise up in you, you're obviously you you've you've stopped thinking rationally and you're you're 
you're into irrational thoughts and and you're just going to start working yourself up into a frenzy. So I think you should be hard on yourself if you feel the onset of, of financial envy. But do you not think envy is a natural emotion as natural as happiness and sadness is? So yes, if it's okay to be sad, but if you are maybe clinically depressed, then it's you should reach out to get some help. So if you're, if you're envious, should you acknowledge it, but then also realize you have to change that thought pattern? I, I think you got, it, it, it's something you have to work at. I mean, if, if you suffer from financial envy on a regular basis, you may need some, some counseling maybe, but you have to come up with tools. And my tool, my go-to tool is when I see something, I, the first thought that pops my head is that, is that is not wealth, that is consumption of wealth. And as soon as I say consumption, the, the envy passes, if it was there at all. Christine also brings up another great point, and it's, 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 it's real because she says that it's become impossible to keep up with the Joneses. So in, in the sense that in reality, not even the Joneses could keep up or afford what they're doing. And I think that just really speaks to the credit and debt filled world we're living in yeah you know if i think back to my parents generation uh credit was you know was basically for buying houses and maybe buying cars but it was not for everything else i remember the first time i ever saw a credit card it was called charge x and i remember saying what is that you know i just seen somebody walk up the register i didn't see a checkbook i didn't see cash and they left you know, I, I, and I, I couldn't comprehend what happened. You know, it was just so foreign. And my mother explained to me, that's a credit card. You know, they have a, an agreement with their bank, as she described it. And, you know, they, this card says they're good for the money. And now, today, uh, people use credit cards for a multitude of reasons. I use one from, from a security standpoint, meaning that if there's any fraudulent activity, the credit card company will, uh, um, they'll take on that that fraudulent responsibility. I don't have to bear that risk. But other people, you know, they're, they're using it as a, uh, as a, as a bank account, you know, they're, they're just, and I, I don't fall victim to keeping up with the Joneses. I, I know when I look at a situation in that, I, I know where someone works, I can speculate how much money they make and I can look, see the house they live in. I can speculate how much that house costs and when I can't make financial sense out of a situation, when I look at it and say, how do they do that? You know, it just when it, it, as soon as that question creeps in my head, the only answer is credit. So keeping up with the Joneses is, it, it's a facade. It's, it, it, if they're doing something that seems unusual, you're not seeing the whole picture. So it sounds like you've gotten really good at being able to quickly pick up on when you're being deceived. I mean, not deceived personally, but just deceived by a person's action. So do you have any advice for people to be able to maybe eliminate envy by being able to instantly see when a situation looks a little less than uh, reality? Well, to start with, everyone only has so much earning potential within their lifetime. So when I see somebody driving a high-end new car, my trick or my mind trick is consumption. You know, that is a consumption of wealth. And uh, I'm using my, my wealth to retire early. 
that person chose to use their wealth to be consumed up in a car. So it, it, from my mind trick is, is that when I see something shiny, something fancy, something high end, I say that's consumption of wealth. So number two is to be genuinely happy for the success of others. So this is an interesting one. I, I, I agree with this. You should be happy for other people and their accomplishments. You know, if they achieve some sort of long-term goal, like I had a friend who retired at 55 and, and he had been working at it for his whole life and he talked about it a lot and it finally happened and I, I was super happy for him because I know all the sacrifices he made. But the funny thing about helping people or, or being genuinely happy for people is I think so at a subconscious level, we'll help people or, or be genuinely happy for people. I'll say this with peers, you know, people that you consider your equal up until up and until the until the point that they reach your level of success and then it becomes more challenging to to encourage them or be happy for them when they're sort of bypassing you and i'm going to say that's a, a pretty shallow way of thinking and i i've been guilty of it i, I i'm not afraid to admit it and I, I'll, I'll i'll hear of somebody's accomplishment and I'll go home and I'll, and it's genuine. I mean, it's not keeping up with the Joneses. There's no facade. I mean, they really, they really did it. You know, they, they accomplished something remarkable and I'll feel bad about myself, you know, and, and when you do, it's hard to feel happy for somebody else, you know, and, and this, this is probably as good time I need to bring it up is with envy. If, if somebody's accomplished something, and this is money aside, I mean, if if somebody created a podcast that was more successful than this podcast, and they did it in a shorter amount of time, I would be envious and inspired by that because I had every opportunity to do the same thing. So given equal opportunity, and I don't actually, you know, work hard harder or hard enough to to reach the same level of success that somebody else did even though I had the same opportunity I am envious and inspired at the same time would you say being happy for other success is might be one of the hardest financial envy to get over or or, or over really overcome I guess well you know it depends on your relationship with the person so like so a parent with their children, they want their children to supersede whatever they've done. At least that's how I feel. I want, I want my kids to achieve, more, you know, greater success than I ever did. That, that, that as a parent, that's my goal. You know, I, I want them to be happier, um, have fewer struggles and, and, and have an easier life than, than I ever did. And, and I think most parents would feel the same way. And with any family, you know, I, I, my parents in their, in their aging years, I want them to be comfortable. I want them to, to not have to endure hardship, right, in, in their old age, and I, I hope I don't either. But when you get to people that you're a little less attached to, I, I think it becomes more challenging. 
Let's move on to number three. Number three is to reevaluate your relationships with those who put too much emphasis on material things. And we talk about this point all a lot of the time. We have a couple episodes dedicated to toxic relationships. But how do you look at this when it comes to financial envy? Well, a good example for me is I, I I'm not a big on traveling, international travel, and I a few years back, actually I have a. A few years back, I had friends that were traveling a lot. And every time I went to visit them, they'd show me the photos of places they've been. And I I tried to show interest, but I guess it, it kind of come through that I wasn't that enthusiastic. And they thought that I was envious of them traveling. And it, it turns out I, I just didn't have much interest in travel. And we ended up sorting out that that sort of misunderstanding but I, I just, I'm not influenced by, by, by people at that level. So I, I don't think I suffer from that too much. I really like how you brought up the distinction between disinterest and envy because to all of our listeners out there who do take up an alternative lifestyle or do live against the grain and maybe don't want the things the rest of society wants or the rest of society says you should want, I, maybe a lot of the times some things that you're disinterested in may come across as envy and, and others may interpret that in the wrong way. And that, that is a really good point. It, it, could, it could come off as, as you're, you're envious when really you're just not interested. That, that's a really good point. Let's move on to number four. And number four is to realize nobody has it all. And this one is all about taking on a more realistic viewpoint about the, the people in your life and, and what they're doing. Yeah, you know, even if you had all the money, I mean, if you work a full-time job, you you just don't have time. So I see people, I know a few friends that have these, you know, I'll say $3,000 bicycles. And I know, you know, the jobs they have are very demanding, long hours. I don't know how they, you know, that I know they don't find time to, to really utilize that that thing. So if you had the money, to buy all these things that you're envious of, you would probably have the kind of job that was so demanding, you would never have the time to use all those things. I really like that point because it puts into perspective that that envy can go farther than just, again, what you may think of financial envy, but it goes into not a time and and relationships and deeper than uh, surface level of what we've been talking about. So number five is focus on what you can control instead of wasting time on what you don't have or or can't control. Yeah, we talked in our last episode about the dichotomy of control, where you should focus on the things that you you can you can control, or the trichotomy of control, where you also focus on things that you can influence. And focusing on on the things that you you have no control, so you can't control what somebody buys and whether they flaunt what they bought or not. You know, focusing on that is just wasted energy as far as I'm concerned. Number six is to be grateful for what you have. And this is uh, from Mike Pumphrey's article, which I'll introduce later. But and he says that nothing neutralizes envy like gratitude. And he also and Jeff Williams then adds life isn't just about money. Well, and this is a good one. It's it's good and bad. So be grateful what you have is is a great strategy. But you also 
have to stay focused on your goals. And so this could put you into a, a situation where you're, you know, maybe not motivated to keep moving the needle or moving forward, you know, just happy with what you have might sort of make you, you know, not build wealth or not sort of, um, move forward in life. So you, you do need to have goals and strive for things. And a lot of times, you know, we, we get those goals or those aspirations from the things around us, right? We see what people, other people are doing and, you know, they're having success or enjoyment with that. And, and, you know, maybe we should strive to move in that direction, but being grateful for what you have is, is a great strategy. If, if you, if you're not grateful for what you have, you'll never be grateful for any sort of thing you, new thing you acquire. So you do have to practice gratitude. It is a powerful tool. And number seven is turn envy into inspiration. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about inspiration versus envy. And to really talk about how to turn envy into inspiration, there's two different articles. One is How to Deal with Financial Envy by Mike Pumphrey. It's from his website, unlikelyradical.com. And the other article is by Christy Muse from Modern Muse. It was featured on frugalrules.com and it's called Why Money Envy Can Be a Good Thing. So we'll go through the points between these two articles. And again, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but as always, all of the articles mentioned today will be in our show notes so you can read and check them out as well because we only highlight points within them and talk about them. But if you want the articles in their totality, they'll be in our show notes. So Trevor, the first one is to acknowledge your envy head on. And this is by Jane Bianchi. Yeah, don't let it, you know, if you let envy fester and and sort of grow inside you, it can turn into a real monster. So as soon as you get the inkling of of envy, you need to go to your toolbox and and try to deal with it. And like this, this section we're talking about is turning it into inspiration is probably you know, the, the, one of the best tools. And I give the example earlier where if I had the exact same opportunity and I didn't, you know, take advantage of that opportunity, then I shouldn't be envious. You know, I should be inspired by that person, not envious. Jane Yanchi says, which I really like, and she says, try to figure out exactly what underlies your envy because jealousy can help you pinpoint opportunities And that maybe you want to travel more if that's something that you are envious of. And once you identify your triggers, use them as motivation to set new goals. And I I really like this because it rings true. You know, that's a good point. So if you find you're constantly envious about the same thing over and over and over, maybe you need to shift your focus. And we talked about focus, right? I had those three fans that had those three different hobbies. And if I constantly was taken by the guy with all the musical instruments and less you know, MBS of the guy with all the, uh, the shop full of woodworking tools, then maybe I, I'm focused on the wrong thing. I, you know, I've, I fooled myself in thinking I like woodworking, but actually I like music. So it, it is an opportunity maybe to refocus your, your focus. The next one is work that much harder. And, uh, Mike Pumphrey says it is pointless and sad to let envy cause you to either give up or resort to self-victimization. Yes, some people had help that you did not. It sucks. So what are you going to do about it? To me, there only, there's only one option, and that's to work that much harder. You know, I didn't get a lot of handouts, you know, coming of age. I, I, 
I think of when I I had a job before we had kids and the pay was just okay. And the kids came along and it turns out they were twins and affording uh, daycare with both me and my wife both working just wasn't an option. So I needed to find a job making more money. So I didn't search around for handouts. You know, I, I worked harder. I, 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 you know, without given handouts, I wouldn't have pursued a higher paying job. You know, I would have just sort of waited for someone to hand me money. So sometimes working harder, it, it, in the long run, it it worked out great for me. So it, you know, hard work is never a bad thing. I know kids are an absolute blessing, and you obviously couldn't have done it any other way, but. Was there a little part of you that was envious at maybe any of your friends who only had one child instead of twins as their first set of children? Yes and no. So twins were a challenge, but we didn't know anything different, right? So when you, when you don't have any kids and you get twins, you just assume this is what raising kids is all about. Now, had I had just one child and then I had twins, I think it would have been, a, uh, I, I could have seen envy. But I... I wasn't I wasn't envious because you know I actually wanted more kids so it, for me a big family was always in my my plans so so no I I was not envious of people who just had one child I I thought I got a two for one deal I like that so we're gonna move on and into more of what Christy Muse talked about in her article why money envy can be a good thing and this is continuing on into how to turn envy into inspiration because I think this is again the best way to really deal with your envy focus it more into a positive in a more positive way so the next point we have here is remember why you save and and I think this is a good point back to my thing about the consumption of wealth but you know Sometimes listening to a podcast like this is, is you know, it helps rem- rem- remind you why you, you're not pursuing that shiny new object that your coworker bought. You know, hopefully, you know, they, you know they, the concept of spending less than you earn and all the messages we try to send on this podcast, sometimes people just need, you know, something in their life that keeps them on track or, or keeps reminding them why they're being so financially responsible and I hope this podcast is, is a source of that for, for people. So I, I, I think having something in your life that reminds you why you're being more fina- more financially responsible than, say, your your friends or coworkers is a good thing. Jeff Williams in his article said, Plenty of people live lavishly only to discover in retirement that their money is running out. If you're spending within your means, you should be proud of yourself rather than tear yourself down because you're doing something good for yourself. So I like Jeff's point about what's the point of really living this lavish life in your maybe earlier part of your life and barely getting by in your latter part of life? Well, with personal finance, time is a great equalizer, meaning at the end of the day, the math has to work. You know, you, you have to have spent less than you've earned over the course of your life. So when you get into retirement and you get into what I call the short strokes, you know, it, it, the math starts to work itself out. So the next point of how to turn envy into inspiration is learn from your peers. So this point's a little bit different than are uh, the point we were talking about in our list of how to deal with financial envy because it, it's more 
it can be used in a more positive or a negative way. And I'll, I'll give you one of each. And Trevor, maybe you can speak to this after. But so envy can be redirected more positively in order to emulate a person or become more like a person you admire. But then I think it can also go negatively if you learn from their mistakes. So we'll, we'll talk. Can you speak to the first one? And then I'll a little elaborate more on learning from others' mistakes. Yeah. So the first one is where, you know, the example I gave earlier where you've, you know, somebody who had the exact, you had the exact same opportunity somebody else did and they were able to achieve uh, higher greatness than you. That envy, you know, you can learn from that and maybe, you know, find out what that person did to, to rise to greatness faster or further than you did. And that, that is a, uh, a positive envy. And I, I say that's when envy transitions into inspiration and learning from someone's mistakes. I mean, this is what we talked earlier about, you know, taking sort of comfort in somebody else's misfortune. So we, it, it happens. I mean, and if, if, if that represents a learning opportunity, you, you, you should never pass up a learning opportunity, but I don't think you should sort of um, spend a lot of time enjoying that moment either. Is it okay to use others' mistakes as a learning opportunity if they themselves acknowledge their decision or the outcome as a mistake? Well, you know, when I give my kids advice and they don't always want it, but when I offer it, I always say to them, you can't afford to make all the mistakes yourself. You know, you, you, you have to, you know, you have to take the knowledge of some of the mistakes I made and not make those yourself because you're going to make a whole bunch on your own if if you cannot make the mistakes I made, you'll be that much further ahead. So I think you should try to learn from mistakes whenever you can. Uh, you need to make sure you understand the circumstances around those mistakes to make sure they they actually pertain to you. You know that you you might not have all the facts and and maybe live in fear of making that same mistake when really you, you know it's the scenario would could never happen to you. The second last point in turning envy into inspiration is focusing on your priorities. So earlier we examined the seven, the seven areas where financial envy shines through. So that was career, house, gadget, vacation, clothing, cash, and family money envy. So could you find yourself being envious of those things even if they're not your priority? And, and how do you really bring yourself back to making sure that you acknowledge your priorities and acknowledge if those are even your priorities. You know, going to work every day is a great wake up call for me. So, so I, I can, last night me and my wife were out for a walk and we seen a, a, a really nice high end car and it was, um, it, it was probably, you know, I'm going to say a, a $90,000 car. If I had to guess, you know, I'm kind of familiar with the car. So, and for just a fleeting moment, you know, I, I pictured myself driving this car and I, I quickly remembered that, you know, I, I could actually do this if I didn't want to retire at 55. You know, I, if I'm in a position to retire at 55, I could probably afford to borrow money and pay for a car over the next 10 years and retire at 65 if, if I wanted to. So I, I stay focused knowing I'm making conscious decisions. You know, I've made a conscious decision to go down this road. I could change that decision at any moment. I'm not going to. But putting yourself in a position where you are in control, I think, is, 
is an easy way to stay focused. And last but not least, the final way to turn envy into inspiration is from Mike Pumphrey. And he says to reflect on your achievements. And he says, which would you prefer, someone handing you something or you earning it yourself? I'm a fan of this and I'm not. I I, I always like to look, you know, looking back at what you've done and, and sort of resting on those laurels can stifle uh, your advancement in life. So it's great to reflect back and look at your accomplishments, but I wouldn't stay too focused on those. I wouldn't use those as, as a motivator. You know, you should always be, we talk about, you know, documenting goals and aspirations in life. I think you should always be, have a forward look. It's okay to look back occasionally, but I, I keep my eye on the, on the prize and it's usually in front of me, not behind me. So that brings us to the end of our episode on financial envy. We hope you've pulled something from this or been inspired to turn your envy into inspiration and and ways you can really deal with financial envy when it pops up in your life. Because again, no one is perfect at it, but if you work to overcome it and and work towards developing a more positive relationship with envy, you're just going to be better off in the long run. For all the articles we talked about today, they will be in our show notes. We highly encourage you to go check them out. There's a ton of resources on financial envy out there, and we hope this podcast today has been one of those. Make sure to head over to our Instagram or Facebook page as well if you're ever looking for more inspiration on Simple Money Solutions. We have tons at Simple Money Solutions. That's our handle for both Instagram and Facebook. And until next week, keep it simple. Simple.